sound wave wave it's thermal sound waves the natural alternative to fast food radio yeah we hear see truth kev lawrence right right about now we got a brother that's joining us right yeah who've been doing some great things throughout the community throughout the world throughout the u.s uplifting yeah, and 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 bringing some some brightness and some great things to to people that uh you know, could sometimes use that help and some sometimes just need a little kickstart. And, and definitely uh, in a state that people don't realize is a state. When you hear Washington, you think about Washington, D.C. Right, exactly, exactly. You don't realize that Washington's also a state. Washington State, it's a beautiful state, too. Beautiful, beautiful place. Um, for those that know. The Seahawks play there. Yeah, but other than that, it's, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful state. A lot of history. A um, lot, a lot of history. But we got uh, Brother Drayton joining us right now on the program. Brother Drayton. You know what I mean? He's going to tell us about some of the things that he's been doing and, and a little bit about himself as he joins us on the program. What's going on, bro? Oh, I, pre- I appreciate y'all, man. And definitely, like I said, uh, with my man Kev Lawrence, man, so so much history, so much love, and just appreciated being here just to support you guys as well. And y'all had me rocking out today. I was listening to the station all day in the office. <laughs> 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 y'all had me really good. I ain't going to lie. That's you know, what but we do. Definitely uh, appreciate it for being here, you know, and being able to talk to the people and then talk to you guys. Absolutely. Now, for those who don't know of, of your history, just let people know a little bit about yourself. Uh, for for me, I, I worked uh, for a long time with uh, – uh, well, actually, I, I can go back. I can take it even further and, and shout out to, uh, to Uptown Records. But that was my first Andre, little, uh, right. intro in. Yeah, <laughs> my man Chuck Bone. And, and oh, wow. uh, uh, kicking all, all it. those dudes. Oh yeah, that, like that, I was around during that time when Puff was there uh, in the beginning, and you know, um, there were so many people that really, you know, just coached me through through all of that there, um, and it took off from me. I mean, I worked at Capitol Records uh, with uh, Donna and Donna Torrance, and just some powerful people. All, all these people I'm mentioning now, like big people now like <laughs> they're in key positions in their own business but you know I, I did my wow. stint in the industry that that was really good and then i did security man my, my my biggest thing because i knew a lot of these uh artists was doing security and the security was really what uh, a lot of people liked about everything that i did so it was it was it was a great time i i learned a lot from it i met some amazing people i worked with russell uh russell simmons and his family for for a long time and it was just beautiful to be around you know people that really cared and i I, what i learned from russell was making sure that you always think about people you know no matter what we was around or any time that i got to drive him or in the office it was always about you know making sure i think about people and what people are going through and how to take care of people and you know that stuck with me a lot shout to lord ness he was around russell at that time too Yes, yes, Queens. for real, real talk. You know, and Rush, shout out to Rush Philanthropy. A lot of people don't know Rush Philanthropy helped a lot of people and took care of a lot of people. Man. You know, so that definitely where I got that from. And I definitely have to give, I'm not going to wait to the end, but I have to give a big shout out to uh, your sister. <laughs> yes, shout out, to, shout out to your sister because your sister, Professor Jackson, was my professor oh, in college. Oh, yes, Sean Jackson. She was my Shout professor my in college. Sean. Shout out to uh, BMCC. I never knew that. Yes, she I was never my knew that. Yeah, yeah. She she always was the person, and, and I'm happy that you said that because she, 
you know, I was always an entrepreneur. Like I used to sell, and you know, I, li- I lived in, Bra- I grew up in Brownsville, Brooklyn, and you know, you know, when you're in the projects and stuff like that, they, there's only too many things that you can do before dudes start jacking you and stuff and taking, you know, your little money and stuff. But you know, I always was that entrepreneur spirit. Uh, I used to sell uh, greeting cards throughout my building, man, for the holidays, <laughs> and like earned a lot of money for those greeting cards. Those things was good. And then wait, wait, you know, hold, uh, hold, hold wait, up, hold what up, kind of greeting hold, cards? Hold up, hold up, Dre, hold up, Dre. Do you uh, people? Do you understand greeting cards <laughs> in Brownsville? Do you understand? I, I want people to understand this. Shout out to Bernadette. The type of hustle Price. it Ber- takes. Bernadette. Wow. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The type of hustle it takes to sell greeting cards. Nobody in greets Brownsville, in Brooklyn, in the middle of the projects. How? Regardless of whether it's the holidays or not. How, Sway? What, How? what type of, of, of grit and hustle that takes? And, and, and what type of... Listen, I, I got to give it up to you for that, man. Brownsville. People don't understand nah, what that is. The home of MOP. <laughs> the home I'm, of Sean Brooklyn, so I know. I know straight what yeah, that shout, is. Shout out, to, shout out to Brownsville Houses, man. Saratoga I, Ave. was good. Yeah, like that, that, was, that was where I grew up. I mean, I, I, got, a, I got a quick story just, just to put it. I mean... Brownsville was so relevant. You know, you talk about Mike Tyson yes. and all of that. But there, there used to be a record store right on Pickin' Avenue, man. And shout out to Big Daddy Kane. Like, Kane was probably one of the only artists, you know, because Scrapping Them come from over that way as well. But Kane was, like, one of the only artists that ever came through that record store with the, with the Mercedes-Benz, with everything that was out and just really represented. So that was, like, a lasting memory that stuck with me so well because that was like for me at being a young kid watching hip hop, I'm like, man, that's that's Big Daddy Kane at that time. He was like everything, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And to come through the hood and represent the hood, it was just it was just so beautiful. But Mike Mike Tyson did that so many times, man. I Mike heard Mike to Tyson used to just hit. stop by and be like, like my car is yours. And he oh, just yeah, gave his cars dude, away. He, the Rolls Royce. He had the Rolls Royce right out there on picking Apple or, or uh, Belmont. Belmont was his spot. I don't know why, Shout but he's hanging right there on Belmont. Wow. <laughs> he's the park right there. And not, look, not worried about nobody. Well, why would he? <laughs> For real. For real. Wow. So, hold up. He, see, shoot, he, sold, he said he sold greeting cards. Yeah, in, Brown- in, in yeah. Brownsville, <laughs> Brooklyn. Nobody greets you but over I, there. I mean, How are you selling that? Me, it was like for me, it was it was something to do inside. Cause my mom's wouldn't let me go outside and do anything. Right. So it's like for me, it's like it was in the building. She can trust it. I knew a lot of the neighbors, and right. I really, I really made like that was my real entrepreneurial spirit. It started from that because I really made money, you know, like on that, you know, what I'm saying. And yeah. it showed me how to inventory. It showed me how to keep my money there and buy back inventory. So that was like my start. But to go back to why, like after my sister, you know, because uh, me and my sister was estranged for a long time. And when we, she and I met, that was the first thing she got on me was like, do your business. And she helped me start my first production company and touring company. If you ever ask Dougie Fresh, Dougie Fresh will tell you, I used to, I used to get shows for Dougie Fresh, man. Wow. And Doug was, I used to love Doug because Doug, and he'll put everybody in that van. And no matter where, I, I got Doug a show in Pennsylvania. I got Doug a show, uh, well, Pennsylvania was mostly it. Uh, and, and Cincinnati, I think it was. And Doug used to just be on the road. And let me tell you this. Showtime coming. I'm like, yo, Doug, where you at? I'm, I'm like, and this is before texting and everything. So you have to call his <laughs> phone. Doug would arrive right on time. And I mean, the stage is set. People are waiting. And the promoter's looking at me like, yo, did you just play me? Like, <laughs> like no, nah, I got you. And Doug, I'm talking about like clean as day. 
come out the van, DJ on, and boom, it just was set off. And Doug, shout out to Doug, because Doug, Doug kept my family fed for about one summer, like real. It just just went on and just did shows with him. But that my sister gave me that entrepreneurial spirit in, in doing that. So it, it stuck with me, you know what I'm saying, to make sure I do business the right way. Like I, I, I call it, my, my motto is this, I don't do Negro business. Right. You know what I'm saying? I do business. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times, us as black people, we don't want that corporate business life. You know what I'm saying? And it's just there. I, I, I remember Puff always screaming at us. Like, <laughs> no matter what's, like, we was in the studio, we were doing some, Puff would just, like, always scream at us, man. Like, you ain't doing what you're supposed to do. Like, handle your business. And, you know, those things stick with you when you're growing and you're trying to go to your level and do what you have to do. So shout out to all of those people that, you know, within my life gave me that stance to go further, you know? Absolutely. It's Thermal Soundwaves. We hear C-Truth Kev Lawrence talking to Brother Drayton about hey. the business moves that he was doing. Um, who were some of the other people that uh, you, you had come through your touring company? Uh, uh, that was really it because it was like, I, I'll give you a great example, though. I had hooked up a show, and, and I don't know if you guys know this back Mona Scott was Buster's uh, main, uh, you know, ballet director. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to I, ballet. I do know Scott, that. She, Chris Lighty. She was everything to him, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and Chris Lighty. She was the one behind it. Yeah. And Chris, Chris Lighty. She was, out, she was everything for them. The reality show woman. They, they, they used to give us a real opportunity, like, to really go in and do, you know, do shows with this. So one, one time I had, I had tried to book Buster, and I'll never forget. <laughs> I had, had three, prom- three promoters set up and we all went in and we was like, I got you. Let's get a Drake. And I knew people over at Violator and I knew Mona and it was just like, let's make it happen. And I'll never forget, man, like uh, another white promoter had took it and I couldn't understand what happened. And then we come to find out that I, they were, they were called something else before they not, it was live nation, but you know, no disrespect to them, but they were called something else before. And they, they just blocked us. They blocked uh, everybody. They come to find out that this was happening around the country. They were blocking black promoters from yep. getting mm-hmm. uh, our hip hop artists. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the, so that was like the one time that discouraged me because I really, after Doug, I did like small stuff. Shout out to Teddy Ted. Uh, no, Special K and Teddy Ted, man. They they used to do a lot awesome of things. Too. You know, yeah. you also up, too, man. I mean, them. you know, I used to rent little spots and <laughs> like get them in, and they used to do like they didn't care how many people was there. They acted like it was a hundred, so it used to give me some some good uh, uh, space to be in, and you know those are the things. But it it kind of I kind of moved to production where I wanted to get group signed and stuff like that. I did some deals that you know if I knew. Let me tell you this. I, I'll say this to anybody out there that don't believe credit is real, right? When I say credit, meaning your name on an album and your name in something, I was just focused on. Like, hey, get the deal. I don't care about that. Give me my money. I didn't care about the credit. I didn't really understand it, right? I didn't understand mm-hmm. having your name down as executive producer or having your name down as producer uh, matters. I cared about give me my point, give me my, my 5% or 2% publishing, give me and I'm good, right? Right. But you start to realize, damn, nobody knows who the hell I am <laughs> except those in the industry that did the deals with me. So you know, shout to anybody that's coming up in this generation. I give them a lot of credit. They get and they do. But there's a lot of us that worked in this industry that worked behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of us that did deals and took our check and then bounced and, you know, did us. But, you know, I did a lot of work in the music industry, got a lot of publishing, got, you know, name recognition on what I needed to in the industry. But never got that credit. Can you so speak on I, some I, of those deals? Like, like the. Nah, I can't. I, okay. I had to sign a disclosure. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I had to ask. I had to ask. Look, that, 
if I would have known what a non-disclosure was back then. <laughs> right. Yeah. Look, before you decide a non-disclosure deal, look it over. Make sure it don't expand lifetime. <laughs> right. Right. Wow. Yeah. You know, so it, it's but there were some good deals. I mean, um, you know, shout out to uh, so many people that, you know, just really gave that chance. Uh, people don't know Mercury Records used to be a, you know, big record label. Shout out to yeah, uh, they had a whole lot of Clark Kent. Remember, Clark Kent used to run that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, so there, there, there was so much history that went back. But I, I, I was blessed to do some good deals, bring artists to people that, you know, they took some artists, blew up some artists, didn't. Uh, some were one-hit wonders, but I was a part of it. And I, you know, I can always cherish with that. I'll, I'll show you the contracts one day. Oh, yeah, you, you're going to. <laughs> you, you're definitely going to. We want to see those. And we'll, we'll, we'll sign an NDA with you so we don't tell the people. Though. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> a one-week NDA. And you know something? I, I met Mona Scott way back when, before she really like took off, when I used to work for a choreographer. I wasn't a dancer. I used to do administrative stuff. I was about to say. You was I used to do administrative stuff for her. Oh, okay. But she, Mona Scott had an office like right next door to her, and they were good friends. So that's how I met her. And then like years later, it's like she took off. It's like. Hey, that's the one who used to come by the office all the time. So, you know, it, it just shows you how people like really put their their time in and the hustle in and where they, where you can go and where that could take you if you really put that work in. And she definitely did that. She definitely definitely did that. Now, fast forward to what you got going on now, Drake, out in oh, Washington. Oh man, I so you know I I and it, this is like the story I'm gonna tell you guys is like. You know, there's a lot of people in the industry that are going through things, right? There's a lot of people in the industry that are suffering and don't let it be seen. Um, you know, I, I, I was blessed uh, at the time to have six beautiful daughters with my ex-wife, uh, married, you know, almost 14 plus years. And, you know, a lot of things just, you know, where I wanted to go was not the same place that my, my ex-wife wanted to go as far as what I wanted in life. I wanted more uh, for it. And what it did is it took me into, you know, once we get, you get divorced, you go through child support, you go through everything. And I didn't know child, you know, I was always a hater of, of fathers that didn't take care of their children. So my delusion of child support was always about not being a good father. And God knows, man, it, that's so untrue. So untrue, right? It, it, it's, it's so much like has nothing to do with, you know, uh, an actual father taking care of their children. It has to do with the court system and our racist uh, system that's set up to oppress so many of our uh, brothers and sisters, too, uh, on that. But just it wasn't set up for success, right? And I went down a spiral road of child support that just really took me into homelessness. So I was in homelessness in New York City, but still going to events. I was still going to the Hamptons with Russell. I was still, you know, hanging out at uh, industry parties and you know, faking the funk and, and not uh, being true to who I was. And when I say my condition, not who I was, but just my condition at the time. And, you know, I was sleeping on couches and, you know, sleeping at friends' houses and uh, did the train and did the park, did did everything. But we'll get up the next day and hit, hit a shower and get back out and act like everything was normal and okay. What, uh, what really changed my life, I, real quick before I say that, I was in Brooklyn uh, at the courthouse, the family courthouse for child support. And sure enough, I'm sitting right there and Talib Kweli was there. <laughs> just like, yo, what the? Wow. <laughs> like it blew my mind. I was like, yo, like <laughs> I didn't want to bother him or nothing. I was like, yo, 
Really? He's like, yeah. And then, you know, we quickly talk. He's like, damn, like, we going through it. Yeah, I didn't know what he was there for, but I was like, man, like, you know, just going through it for Charles. He's like, yeah, like, it's crazy, you know? And, you know, shout out to him because he was just like, yo, keep your head up. You know what I'm saying? Don't don't let it go that way. But, you know, back to what I was saying, what what changed my life was this. I was representing uh, .com for 30 Rock. Um, that was my last stint in New York. Shout out to Grizz. Uh, .com. Grizz yeah, oh, oh, shout out to Grizz. Tracy Morgan. Uh, uh, you know, uh, so, so many people that came uh, from that show just really embraced uh, me. And at that time, uh, Astrid, who was my business partner, we just really rocked it. Like we did, we did a lot of good things, but it was coming out of um, Transformers uh, after part. And this is probably, and I, and I posted a picture of Michael K. Williams today. Uh, Michael K. was there and I, I'm there with shrimp all over the place, free alcohol, uh, just, you know, phenomenal people, the industry there, uh, directors, producers, and I'm, you know, I, I'm good. You know, I had my drinks, I had my food, and I go outside and everybody's getting into their chauffeured car, uh, somebody's bringing their car around, people picking them up, or they're getting in their cab. And Michael K was the last person and he, he, you know, he hit me up. He was like, yo, you good? And I was like, yeah, I'm good, man. Wait, waiting for my car. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to catch a cab, one or the other. And he's like, all right, brother, you know, yo, see you at the next one. And took off. And I didn't have no place to go. Hmm. And that was the reality for me. That was like, let's stop fake faking. I was dressed beautiful, had shoes on. And here it was. I left this beautiful, probably a half a million dollar party. And I had no place to go. And that just put me on a road of, you know what, let's wake up. Let's deal with your reality instead of faking the funk of who you really are. And from that point on, the next day I checked into the um, 93rd Street, I think it is, uh, men's shelter, and, you know, stayed my time there to get myself together. And in that process, a lot of things was going through my head, like, where do I go? Is this my life? You know what I'm saying? I mean, in New York City, I have, you know, I got six daughters, so... 40%, 45% of my income was being taken. I couldn't afford an apartment. I couldn't afford a studio apartment. Yeah. So it just was like, man, this is, is this it? Is this what, you know, the end of my life and what I need to do? And am I going to accept this? There's so many men that sit in the shelters. And, you know, I want everybody to understand what homelessness is really about. It's conditions at that time. I've met, I met doctors. I met a doctor that was staying in the shelter that had student loans, but then also lost his wife. You know what I'm saying? And then when he lost his wife, her medical bills on top of the student loans, he couldn't do anything. Wow. He was in debt, you know, but he was a doctor working at Mount Sinai. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. you know, we talked and he was just like, this is the reality of life, you know? And you start to think that everybody is drugged out. Everybody is just, this is their condition when it's not. Their whole, you know, people get into situations and a lot of it, what I'm finding is debt and a lot of it is losing a partner that you have had for so long that gave you bait to income. So, you know, you start to see, and especially in our country now, homelessness is on a rise. So, I mean, dramatically, it is, it is going crazy because affordable housing is not there. We're so behind on affordable housing that I don't even think we can catch up for the next 10 years. So homelessness is going to grow to a capacity I don't think that this country is really ready for. And how you do know, you and I think equate that, that with what you're doing now in Washington State? Well, for me, when I came out to Washington State, what shocked me, and let me tell you this, Anybody that lives in a big city, anybody lives in New York, well, let me not say that. Anybody lives in New York City, be happy on what we have. I used to 
look at some of the stuff New York City did. I was just like, what the hell are we doing this for? Why is it there? And right now, I started a foundation called the Foundation for Homeless and Poverty Management. And what I saw was nobody was really doing anything. Uh, I worked on a, uh, a report for Governor Jay Inslee with a committee called the, Ster- the Poverty Reduction Work Group. Uh, the governor asked uh, to bring a, together all of the heads of each department of social services in Washington State and nonprofits that were doing work on poverty and homelessness and bring them together and say, fix this in the next 10 years. So what, what we did was instead of just them doing it, the governor said that he wanted people with lived experience. He wanted people that was on services, that was homeless, that was in poverty, that was going through it right now to sit at the table with these people. And I had the blessed uh, position to be as the co-chair of the steering committee for the Governor Jay Inslee's Poverty Reduction Work Group. And if you go to dismantlepoverty.org, you see the information there. We did some amazing work. Now, let me tell you, when you talk about what happened in our country with uh, the pandemic, I think for us, we were like, okay, the report's going to be done. We gave the report to the governor in January. In January of 2020, when right before the pandemic got, and all that came to all of us that worked on this was, it's not going to be seen. Like, it's done. The governor's going to concentrate on this, getting the country, uh, the state back. We're not going to get any play. Lo and behold, four months after the pandemic hit and we had to shut down, we was one of the first states to shut down. We get a call, Lori Pinksford, who was the, the, over DHSH and over the Poverty Reduction Work Group, said, you wouldn't believe what just happened. I was like, what? They're getting ready to use our blueprint that we did in the, uh, the 10-year plan to help people. <laughs> that are, So all that free flow and money and all of that came out of the 10-year plan of how do you get people back to economic strength, why they're going through this, why they're not working. So the work that we did was preparing, I guess, in God's view, for what was happening, right? So uh, the, the the report has gotten, like, uh, throughout the United States, some overseas recognition. We have, it's a blueprint for a lot of states now to figure out how to deal with homelessness and also people living in poverty. But there's an economic blueprint to that. And the economic blueprint to that is remove barriers. Remove barriers for people that want services. I think the this notion that we're welfare people and that we don't want better is mm-hmm. such a lie and such so much crap. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when, when you sit back and, you know, I don't want to, you know, say anything against uh, somebody else, but there are more white people on public assistance throughout this country than there is black and brown people. And I think the narrative of, of who we are being lazy and everything just is what is put out there and it gives us our bias. So, you know, when you see, people that are asking for services. When you see like myself, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm surviving. I'm not striving as much, all the stuff that I'm doing, I'm still trying to make it and trying to get over that, that lump to get to the next, you know, the next part of my life where it's successful financially. But I think what we are forgetting out of this is that you have a lot of nonprofits that are community leaders that do not get pure funding to sustain. And that's the issue that you have uh, throughout this country, especially in New York. You know, shout out to Mike Bloomberg. Uh, when I was around the Bloomberg administration, only only a brief time, when Bloomberg started to question everybody that was getting money, and then he had a task force go out, and we opened the doors to a lot of these uh, uh, nonprofits that were getting money to house people, and we walked in and it was free bed. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. it was like, what what is going on? 
So when Bloomberg, and I know a lot of people were against it, you know, and I may get back some pushback on it, but when he took the funding away from a lot of those nonprofits and said, look, you're, you're going to have to prove to us that you're doing the work. I, to me, it was a great thing to do because it really shifted for the time that he was in office and the next time that he got elected, how people were being served in homelessness. And no I think that it held, it held nonprofits accountable. Right. Now, we're running out of time. So for those who yes, want to get more information on what it is that you're doing and that, that blueprint that's being used yeah. and so forth, uh, where can people go for that? So dismantlingpoverty.org is where you'll find the poverty reduction work group uh, report and everything in there that we did. And then for my foundation, it's the Foundation for Homeless and Poverty Management. Uh, we're out of Washington State, Bremerton. Shout out to Bremerton and Kitsap County. And, you know, we, we, we're doing the work. Like, uh, you know, like I tell my staff all the time, it may not be pretty now, but as long as we keep our head down and doing, well, keep our head up and doing the work, we're, we're going to get our reward at the end. And it's not about profits. It's about helping people. And we've been able, let me say this right off the top. Shout out to Diana. Um, shout out to my wife, Naja, of course, and uh, to Dominique. They, they've been putting in the work. It's a small staff, but we, we've served over uh, $300,000 in uh, back rent and rental assistance. $300,000 this small staff did in rental assistance in Washington State and our small community of Kitsap County. So I, I really, you know, shout out wow. to us. So for hitting us up, it's uh, homelesspovertymanagement.org. Uh, you can see us there. And then definitely I'm on Instagram, uh, Drayton D. Jackson on Instagram. And uh, the, I'm not on Facebook anymore, so just too much, right, right, <laughs> too gotcha, much to do gotcha. for it, you know. De definitely thank you guys for having us. And let me tell everybody, don't let your voice be quiet. The primaries voting, you got to come out. There is a machine that is working out there that is trying to stop a lot of the progress that us in the uh, black and brown communities have had. And they're trying to take our narrative. Go out, vote, be a part of it. Go to your school board meetings. Go to your district, talk to your legislators, get involved. Do not be quiet at this time. No question. And listen, we thank you so, so much for taking time out Definitely. for being on the program with us, bro. And we're going to have you back uh, to talk about some more things and, and some, some other aspects of stuff, you know, a little bit later on uh, down the road. But uh, definitely keep doing what you're doing. Uh, keep up the great work out there. And, uh, you know, we hope to see you soon, man. Much appreciated. Thank you so much, guys. And thank you all, everybody that's listening on Thermal. Peace. Peace. It's Thermal Sound Waves, the natural alternative to fast food radio. Thermal Sound Wave, wave.